All right, so if you guys want to open in your Bibles to John chapter 9, a little bit of a special service today, Um, but as we kind of move towards that, I wanted to set just a little scriptural context. And so uh, John chapter 9, will you stand with me? And we're going to read, hope you're ready for this, chapter 9 through chapter 10, verse 21, okay? And... uh, don't lock your knees, okay, while you're standing, because you'll pass out, okay? Those of you that have ever been in a wedding. Always the pastor, never the first man. Oh, yeah, hey, do you want to do my wedding? Sure, but I thought we were closer than that. Okay. First world problems. Um. So John chapter nine, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth and his disciples asked him saying, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes opened? He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, he is a prophet, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who'd received his sight. And they asked them saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see his parents asked, answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we do not know or who has opened his eyes. We do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he's from. The man answered and said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. Yet he's opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it's been unheard of any of of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they'd cast him out. And when he'd found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who's talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, 
for judgment I've come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who, may, uh, who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore your sin remains. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, is the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them I also must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I've received from my father. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And I'm going to have my brother-in-law, Joseph, come up and join me up here. This is my brother-in-law, Joseph, everybody. My new brother-in-law since about May, isn't that right? May 23rd, he passed the test, all right. Um, yeah, so I, Joseph and I talked one of the last times we were together about maybe him coming and sharing a little bit of his testimony and a message of hope for the people of uh, Prineville. And uh, they don't get to make it over very often, and uh, I knew that they were going to be visiting this week. and. You know, I was just kind of planning on continuing on in the Gospel of John. You know, we're a church that just, man, value the exposition of the word and know the value of it. And just felt the Lord leading, man, just Joseph needs to share just his, his story of transformation uh, with, um, with our body and encourage our church that no matter where you're at, Jesus loves you and pursues you and, and wants to know you and be known by you. So, Welcome, Joseph, and then we're going to have Heather come up in just a little bit, too, to share a little of their testimony together. But um, one thing that I was thinking of was how the last two Sundays here at the church, uh, chapter 9 and chapter 10, go together. The story of the blind man who had been healed and had been um, just, there's like a process of his salvation where he's blind, born blind from birth, and then Jesus uh, initiates healing of his sight and, uh, you know, calls him to a, an obedience. And so he takes that step of obedience of washing and, and then, um, and then there's confusion over how he was healed and it was on the Sabbath and who did it and parents getting involved and this and that. And, uh, he eventually gets kicked out of the synagogue because he believes in, uh, that Jesus healed him and that it was Jesus's work. And that even has a process in it that eventually he would, he like doesn't even understand it all until kind of later on in the chapter when he realizes that Jesus is the son of man that the book of Daniel prophesied of and that he's the son of God. And so the Jews response to this healing and this new life was that they kicked him out of the synagogue 
And then Jesus goes into this great, wonderful passage about how, yeah, I'm not kicking you out of the synagogue. I'm bringing you into the fold and into the flock and that anyone who comes to me becomes a part of this family and has tender care. And so we're going to kind of just look at uh, Joseph's life and Heather's life a little bit, which also kind of includes my life. And we just want to testify of the good things that Jesus has done. Revelation chapter 12, I think it's verse 11, um, is a verse that I have for you. And it says that uh, they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. And so I wanted through Joseph's testimony today, as he testifies of the great things that Jesus has done, to be something that spurs us on to be sharing our testimonies and our stories of God's pursuit of our life, and that there would be great victory in our lives of God's faithful pursuit and saving us. And so, are you ready to do this? Yes. Okay, perfect. So uh, I just wanted to start out. So John chapter 9 starts out with uh, that there was this man who was born blind, uh, that he was blind from birth. And no, Joseph's story is not that he started out, you know, born a blind baby. You yeah, know, I can always see. You could see when you were born. Yeah, yeah, you did have some weird stuff all over you, but that was, that's normal. Every baby has that. Um, but just give us just a little, um, just a little foundation of who's Joseph McKenna and where were you born, where are you from, and a little bit of like just who your family is and, and that, and then we'll kind of go from there. So just step one, where, uh, where's Joseph from and what's your family little history there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was born in Arizona and I grew up in Lebanon, Oregon and, uh, my parents, they divorced when I was two years old. My dad <clears throat> went into a mental hospital. He struggled with addiction pretty much his whole life and he ended up having to go there and uh, my mom remarried and to my stepdad Dean and he kind of raised me up till about the age of nine and um, then my real dad the one that went into the mental hospital when I was younger that I really didn't know because I was too young to even like talk but um, he ended up getting better and then I started like going to visit him off and on so I go to visit him and then come back to my mom's and kind of like back and forth and um, so a lot of um, a lot of like really horrible things happened to me during that time period of my life that um, that really kind of uh, hurt me as a child. And so I uh, started using drugs at the age 12. And uh, by the time I was 16, I started out using marijuana. And by the time I was 16, I was using cocaine pretty much every day. And, um, so that kind of goes into the, yeah. the blindness part right. that I want to touch on today. Okay. And, uh, so, you know, by the way, if you've been tuning into the sermons the last few weeks, uh, the application is that all of us are the ones that are blind from birth and that, uh, those who think they can see, you know, they're really the blind ones, you know? And, uh, and so this isn't just kind of a, Hey, tell us your nitty gritty, you know, and all of us are pretty, but there's, there's kind of this flow here that all of us are born spiritually blind. And so you're just starting to get into that. So share how there was, you know, it was almost like scales over your eyes as you were a child grown up and began to get into kind of just a life of sin and, um, addiction and focusing on kind of the next high and whatnot and, and how that plays into that upbringing with you. So. Yeah, so it was, and like up to that point to where I was like 16, and um, I was living with my dad at the time in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was pretty much just like like living for myself, so I think that's like where a lot of the blindness was at, was just living for me and not even paying attention to anything else but me, um, and so about the age 18, I finally... Um, Got my own place, started working and everything, and um, but I was still I kind of stepped away from like the really the really hard drugs at that time, but I was still like uh, smoking marijuana every day and stuff like that, and just pretty much um, just living a worldly lifestyle um, my whole life, and um, 
then I started uh, using prescription painkillers, and then I got addicted to that really bad. And then over time, that got so bad that it like graduated into using heroin, and that led up to that point in my life. Um, any think of anything else? So yeah, so now that? share just about how that uh, kind of that first heroin fix, and then how that you know you kind of owed. And this ended up in your dad's okay. garage and, okay. and yeah 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 so it got <clears throat> so it got like really really bad and um so at that point like i i remember i was one day i like ran i couldn't get any prescription painkillers from anybody and i was like withdrawing really bad and my cousin introduced me to heroin and she shot me up for the first time and then it just spiraled out of control over the years and uh, I was living in my dad's garage at the time. Like, he wouldn't, like, really let me stay in the house because, you know, I'd steal his money. I'd lie to him and do all kinds of horrible things to uh, to get my drugs. And um, so I owed a drug dealer a lot of money at that time. I was avoiding him, just, like, dodging him, avoiding him. He was calling me, like, showing up to my house. And um, I was inside the house that morning taking a shower and um, I heard like a really loud explosion and I looked out of the shower window and the guy that I owed the money to came there to kill me that day. He threw a gas bomb through the garage window where my bed was where I was sleeping. He thought I was actually there asleep but I wasn't that morning. Um, this happened to be in the house taking a shower that morning and um, that really kind of like shook me, that like woke me up, you know, so to say in a little bit. I was like, wow, I was like, I'm going to end up like dead or in prison. So I, uh, at that time, I made a decision. I was like, I got to get out of this lifestyle. And um, I ended up moving back to Oregon with my mom and uh, got clean off of heroin. Uh, so tell that process as you move back with your mom and just how you got clean off of heroin? I mean, was this a long process or was it just like a miracle or was it, how did that go down? Yeah, it was a super long process. It, um, I didn't know Christ at the time. I wasn't following Christ at the time. Um, it wasn't like, um, you know, like I just decided to quit and everything was okay again. It wasn't like that. Um, it was a really hard struggle um, of getting clean off of heroin, but it really helped at the time because I was like, 2,000 miles away from any kind of connection that I could get anything, so that helped in a way. Um, but I was still, like, covering that high with, like, smoking marijuana every day, so it was still, I was still using, but in a different sense, right? It was like a crutch of the old drug. Um, and see, so... And things started getting better. I got a job. Um, things were going good. I got my own place. And uh, But then I started hanging around the wrong crowd again, and I relapsed a couple times back into using painkillers. And um, so that kind of led, that kind of brings it to the point of, like, leading up to where, um, where my friend introduced me to Jesus. Awesome. Now, is this the time that you got your first tattoo? <laughs> no, it's not. I'm just kidding. I'm just like, man, that's one thing I'm really proud about my brother-in-law. And I'm like, oh, man, would you look at those bad boys? Jealous, are I'm are you going to show everybody your tattoo? Yeah, well, I mean, you we're, might at, not we're at church. church. Yeah, yeah, I know. Maybe at, the, maybe at the reservoir service this summer <laughs> when I'm swimming with all... I'm kidding. Um, so I kind of, as I consider your story... Um, we were we were talking last night that you know it's tempting to want to tell Joseph's story that um, yeah you know he like he was in addiction and he was in bondage and was just far away from Jesus and then like all of a sudden he was just like delivered instantly from any addiction or whatnot but as I think about kind of the story of the the blind man um, it's almost like the the gas bomb in the garage. Um, by the way, board and lock your garage windows, everybody. You just never know. No, but it's, it's almost like this bomb in the garage was a wake-up moment yeah. for you where the Lord was pursuing you. You know, Like Joseph had nothing to do with it. You're just living in 
your your pursuit of the yeah. world and and then it was like the grace of god was this bomb in your garage that yeah. was almost the lord spitting in the mud and dabbing your eyes with the mud and that would begin this process where you weren't saved yet but it was like this awakening of the lord that was beginning to happen yeah. um in your life do you say anything more towards that or but that begins to move into your friends inviting you <clears throat> Yeah, and I guess the part that I, I left out too was like my um, during that time of my addiction, um, my cousin actually I forgot to tell you we weren't talked about this part just remembering it, but my cousin actually got saved at that time in Ohio, and he was really involved in the church, and he kept trying to share Jesus with me, but I was just like didn't want nothing to do with it. I was just like kind of shutting it down that whole time, um, but I could see. And now that I look back, I could see where Jesus was in my past, but I was blind to him. Like, I couldn't, like, he was trying to reach out to me through other people, through things and places, but I was just totally blind to it. Like, mm. I couldn't couldn't see it, wouldn't receive it, wouldn't recognize it. Mm. And so uh, you're in, Le- where, were you, where were you at? Um, um, Lebanon. Lebanon, yeah. living in Lebanon. Yeah. And, okay, so pick us up there. Okay. An invitation to the prayer meeting, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So at that time, my, um, so we moved my dad from Ohio at that time because he was diagnosed with cancer and he was going through a battle with cancer and um, he was really struggling with depression a lot, um, anxiety and just fear and feeling like he was just a burden on our family with just all of his needs and wants with his um, health issues and uh, he tried to commit suicide one night. And so we're all at the hospital, and my friend Isaac, which um, he, like, went back. He walked away from the Lord for a little while, but went back to the Lord again. And um, so he, like, came over there. He's like, tell me about Jesus, about this church, Calvary Chapel. And, you know, my dad's, like, tried to commit suicide at the time. He's like dying in the hospital, trying to fight for his life, fighting cancer. All this is happening. I'm coming out of my last, um, like last relapse. Like all this is happening at this time. Like my life is this, like, I thought everything was, right. Yeah. (laughs) I thought everything was like all good, you know, and then it just like spiraled out of control again without Christ in my life. And, um, so he comes to me and he's like, Hey, he's like, look, he's, um, he's, told me, he's like, you should come to this thing called a prayer meeting at Calvary Chapel, and we'll like just pray for your situation, what's going on, and uh, I kind of resisted it for a couple days, I was like, you know, I was like, no, you know, I don't think so, I'm Was good. this during the week of prayer and fasting? Yes. So it's Calvary Corvallis, yes. the week of prayer and fasting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was during the week of prayer and fasting, and what I didn't know is my friend Isaac's aunt was praying for all, there was a group of four of us. And she was praying for all of us during prayer and fasting that time to get saved. And we had no idea that she was doing that. So during the week, you put it off, you resisted. Mm-hmm. The week of prayer and fasting, a couple days are going by. Yeah. And then you're like, and then so, I guess I'll go. <laughs> well, what happened was actually we, uh, we, he bribed me with buying me a pack of cigarettes to go. Like, Good way like, to get your I'll friends to you. church, everybody. He's like, I'll buy you a pack of cigarettes if you go. And it's I was Copenhagen like, around here, right? Deal, it's like, right? <laughs> can of snooze. So anyways, um, yeah, so I went, and um, it was really awkward at first. It was definitely something I wasn't used to, um, seeing a bunch of people gathered together in this, like, darkly lit room like praying and like moaning and doing all kinds <laughs> of weird stuff I was like, yeah, we don't do that here like, i was just wanted i was about to get up and run out of that place <laughs> but <laughs> but um so yeah um we went there and we we're sitting in there and um it's really kind of like i know it's I don't really know how to explain what happened. You know, a lot of people say, like, oh, yeah, boom. I was, like, felt the whatever. But for me, it was more, like, I was there, and, like, I could just feel 
I can just like feel the the love and the presence of God just like coming into me. And man, before I knew it, I was just like just like crying and just like releasing all this pain and hurt and shame and guilt and all this stuff that I was just holding inside my whole life, just like shoving it down from just all the things that happened to me, all the things that I did. And <clears throat> like I just felt like all that was just lifted off of me, like I was just forgiven. And um, it was like the most freeing moment I've ever felt in my life. I just felt so light and like just free. And um, so that happened, and we met a couple. Did you get your pack of cigs that night? <laughs> I that? did, yeah. Okay, all right. I did get, guy followed through on his word. <laughs> Good friend. <laughs> Sorry, you were on a track, and I just want to make sure that yeah. <laughs> things are fair is fair, man. Did you get those? So, uh, so just, it's almost like the, the prayer meeting of this night of fasting and praying was like the splashing of the water on your eyes. Like the Lord was calling you to go to the prayer meeting. You weren't going. And then, you know, there's three times in this text that he yeah. says, I went and I washed and I saw, I went and I washed and I saw, I went and I washed and I saw. And it was almost like blind, but God's pursuit went, washed, saw, um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, it's like that night, I finally, I think I finally just, I I received it. Like, I re- was like, okay, like this time, like, I felt that he was real, so I just received him into my life. Um, but with that said, um, it wasn't like, you know, I went home that night and everything was like miraculously better, like my life was great and all my other hang-ups and habits and everything were just miraculously gone. It didn't happen like that. Because um, I like, I look back on it, I think about it, it was like I felt God that night, but I didn't know him. Mm-hmm. I really didn't know him. I, I felt him, but I didn't really know who he was. Um, that makes me think about <clears throat> in this story that we read how uh, he saw, you know, he washed his eyes and he saw but he still didn't know who Jesus was, you know, totally. He, yeah. uh, he's asked about who did this and who would you say that he is? And he kind of gives that generic answer. Like he's a prophet. Like he's got to be more than just a man because a man can do this. I know that there's something powerful about who Jesus is. He knew it was Jesus. And it wasn't until that time with Jesus, time spent with Jesus that he, you know, yeah. He had more of like a doctrinal, you know, moment of, I believe, you know, right. I believe. And uh, I mean, it's yeah. not necessarily has to follow that track, but right. um, I kind of see that in your yeah. Life, so Yeah, it's like I believed he was real, received it, but I still, I still had like the old man to deal with, like all my, my stuff. I was still addicted to smoking pot every day. You know, I was still addicted to pornography. Um still had a lot of selfish tendencies in my life that I had to finally like give up to Christ and let him give me the power and the strength to make it through that. And um, yeah, I struggled for probably two years of my two years of being saved through two years of my first two years of walking with Christ. Like I struggled on and off with trying to trying to get past these habits and these addictions that I still had. And you can only imagine being the blind man, right. blind from birth. Yeah. All of a sudden you can see, but yeah. it's still like, right. <laughs> Whoa. like, how do I walk through life now? You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's kind of how it was. Yeah. That's kind of how it was too. Yeah. It's like, what do I do now? Like, how do I even, how do I even deal with this thing? What do I do with this Jesus? What do I do with this relationship? What do I even do with this Bible? Like, I've never read a book in my life. Like, what, what am I, you know, what am I, what do I do? Anybody say amen to that? That was you, like, I don't know, what is this thing? <laughs> Biggest book, like, it can just be a small book, too, like, maybe a booklet or a pamphlet. No, we got a book, all right. So, um, before we kind of move on, uh, I think of in this tale, not, it's not a tale, it's a, it's a true account, you know, of uh, the parents are, there's a conversation with the parents of what happened in your son's life. Um, they're you know, they got some fear of man and not really wanting to like maybe give credit where credit is due. Um, and so they're, 
they, they water it down a bit. Is there anything kind of in your family and friends' life at this point where they begin to um, be interested as well or, or not or come to Jesus as well? Like, where's your family at in this point? Because they know our son was blind. Like, we can say that. Right. There's something in him now where it seems that he's, he's seeing, at least he claims to be seeing, like he's never seen before. Yeah. Must be a part of a cult or something like that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, where, where's your family at kind of up to this point? Um, yeah. Yeah. So my, all of my family, um, except for one, um, well, he wasn't saved yet, but, um, they're, they don't follow Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in scripture or none of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I was saved and like, I was like, I was like, wow, like this is real. Like I was like, like set on fire for the Lord during that time and you know i'm like running to them like oh you know jesus is real this is awesome can you you know you gotta come you know, come to this prayer meeting with me <laughs> you know i'll buy you a pair i'll buy you a carton of cigarettes let's go <laughs> yeah. so, but, was um, it, it the also the same week that your dad was healed or or that your dad had some encounter at the same time or yeah, so that was during around the same time. Yeah, my dad was um, dying from lung cancer, and um, I got saved. You know, he he like I said at that time he tried to commit commit suicide, so he's like in the ICU unit struggling to come back from that. He took just a giant handful of of pills and overdosed on that. Um, so he gets better, he gets out, and at this time, like, my dad has to be on medication because he had um, paranoid schizophrenia was his mental health issue that he had, and he wasn't on any of the medication, so at this time, so he was kind of in and out of, like, manic episodes and, like, not knowing what was real and wasn't real, but, um, yeah, I just remember believing in so much that, because I heard that Jesus could heal people. And like I'm freshly saved, like barely knew anything about Jesus, and I like I heard that, and I just believed so much that Jesus could heal my dad if he wanted to, and I end up talking my dad into coming to these prayer meetings, and he's like, you know, at this time he don't know what's reality and what's not, but he still comes, and I remember just crying, just screaming out to the Lord just to save my dad like I wanted my dad to be in my life and um, so we're praying for his healing and everybody's praying for him and a couple weeks go by and he goes up to Portland to get a CAT scan taken to see where the progress of his cancer was and the uh, results come back that his cancer was in remission so Jesus healed him of that cancer during that time. And after that, he gave his life to the Lord, obviously. I mean, if you get healed from cancer, yeah, like, you're, like I'm in. <laughs> Sign me up, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so. so he's in. He's like, sign me up. Yep, he's, yeah. yep. <laughs> it's like, he's the God who heals, yep. you know. So it's kind of like in this story we're reading, like if one of the parents is like, I would blind too, you know, <laughs> and now and now they see. So uh, we're gonna have Heather come in just a minute, but um, so now you, I want to kind of transition into then, you know, this this guy's kicked out of the synagogue because he believes that Jesus is the Christ. I don't really know what happened with his folks, but um, but Jesus uses the Pharisees' poor leadership as a um, chance to talk about his great and good leadership as the good shepherd, and so. Tell us a bit about how you went in and transitioned into being part of the flock of God to be a sheep and to have such a good shepherd in Jesus. Yeah, so at that time, I was a couple really good men came around me and started discipling me at this time and, you know, was keeping me accountable and kept me coming to church. And like I said before, I still... Um, still was struggling with the old man and the old habits and addictions I had. Um, but I finally, like, came to a point over time, like, being, like, you know, I'd fall back into sin, I'd do these things, you know, smoke pot again, look at pornography again, 
I kept falling back into these sayings, and the Holy Spirit would just get so convicted over it each time. Like, he would just, like, convict me over it. And um, I finally just made the decision one day. I was like, okay, like, I really, like, can't be living one foot in the world and one foot in for Jesus. Like, I can't keep doing this. And because Jesus wants all of us. He wants every part of us. He don't want half of us. He wants every part of who we are. And um, so I made that decision. And what really helped keep me grounded was being in the Word of God every day and, like, studying that thing, like, no, nothing else and being in prayer every day, like persistent prayer, persistent reading the Word of God every day. And if I don't have that in my life every day, if I don't keep doing that, like I could see myself very, very well fall back to the wayside again, like fall right back into that sin. So I think the Word of God keeps us accountable, you know, and prayer like keeps us in that connection and that relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, um, Heather, if you want to come on up, is about this time that I met you and uh, kind of a fun guy that's hanging out with my sister and a fun friend. And Heather is my older sister. <laughs> now I'm bigger, so you can't be my big sister. And, uh, you know, Heather, uh, it's just been neat to have her, um, to see her life because she is just, since we were young, loving Jesus especially kind of when she was in high school, she started following hard after Jesus and was really like, I'm going to live for Jesus. Like everything's about Jesus. It's just all about Jesus. And so, you know, she's just serving in all of these different capacities. And as we're growing and getting older, you know, and um, she was just like serving so hard for the Lord that other people are kind of starting to meet men and, and date and get engaged and get married. And Heather's just pursuing Jesus, pursuing Jesus. And then as some time went on, it was just, it started to be like, wait, like, where's all the guys that are loving Jesus that we can pursue Jesus together and just be all about Jesus. And it, it was just almost like this rocket that Heather was like this rocket serving the Lord that it was like, any homeboys want to catch up here? And like, maybe we can do this together. And maybe you could even serve a little more. You can lead in this. And, and it was like, and you know, just as a brother, we were just like, Hey, you know, um, and I would teach sermons and kind of be in parts of the word where it was like, hey, you know, just like content in Christ and just let it be like embrace your singleness that you have a gift that you can just be singly focused for the mission and for the gospel and just go for it. And, you know, probably different things going through your mind than mine, but it's just like Heather may never get married. And as the brother, I was like, you know, I'm cool with that, you know, like a brother-in-law, but... (laughs) But I get it. Like, I just see her serving for Jesus. And like, this is what happens a lot of times. And Paul says, like, don't seek a husband. Go for it, you know. And, uh, and so Heather um, starts befriending Joseph and hanging out with Joseph. And we're all kind of like, hmm. <laughs> could it be, you know. And you're like, oh, I hope. And push that down, you know. Like, it might not be, you know. And, and it was just cool to watch. Uh, Heather and Joseph just begin friendship and to spend a lot of time building their friendship. And uh, I taught at a real life college retreat that they were uh, they were leaders at. And I really encourage these college students towards pre-engagement counseling. That before you're engaged, get the counseling done so that you can even know, is this someone I should be even making these plans with before it's too hard to back out? And so they began to go through pre-engagement counseling at the church. And uh, it was just, yeah, I got this cool, like, possible future brother-in-law with tattoos and smoke cigarettes. And I'm like, oh, you're so bad, you know. <laughs> it's so good, though, you know. And, uh, and so, uh, Heather, why don't you share just a little about um, kind of just that moving towards engagement and what the plan was for engagement and then what happened uh, moving up to the week of engagement practically. So Yeah. Um, well, like Rory said, uh, my heart was just so for the Lord's will in my life. And I remember when he taught the Gospel Family series, and or that's what it was called, right? Yeah. And I was listening to the podcast, and it would make me so mad because he would talk about singleness and, like, the heart 
of the Lord is for us just to be all in wherever we are and just kind of realizing like that's kind of the direction my life is headed is just completely to serve the Lord in singleness. I mean, I'd already been doing it. I was like 38 when I met Joseph. So it'd been a long time of serving the Lord and just having that focus. But I don't have any regrets because, you know, I just didn't waste my time on anyone that wasn't wholeheartedly after the Lord. And so even when I met Joseph, like a lot of the alarm bells kind of went off, like, who is this guy? I mean, I don't even know. Like, I just want the Lord's best for my, and if it's going to get in the way of the Lord getting glory, then I didn't want him, you know, I didn't want to be married to him. If it was going to get in the way of, like, the Lord's, (laughs) (laughs) you guys know, the Lord's purpose is more important to me than just my flesh being satisfied or having a husband. And so that was even when we were doing the engagement stuff, I was like, man, I, my heart is for the Lord, man, so if you're not on that track, like, this is not going to work. And and yet just time and time again, he was um, just such an honest, sincere seeker of the Lord. And so we were just being really honest before the Lord as we were doing that pre-engagement stuff, which I think is still so important. I mean, I work with college kids, and I'm always telling them, like, before you get engaged, before you buy the dress, like, really know who this person is. Um And so we were moving on that track, and then um, Joseph started feeling pretty sick. We had gone on a a retreat, a real-life retreat, which is the college group that I kind of help out with. And he got back, and we just thought he, like, got some weird something from Lake Shasta. I mean, other people were getting, you know, sick to their stomach and stuff. And we're like, oh, man, that must be it. And then he just kept getting sicker and sicker. And he had already bought the ring. Um... And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, you're just so sick. And so we kind of, um, so this kind of leads into this being part of a flock, (laughs) being part of this flock. You're part of a church. You're part of a local body. Joseph is serving in Mm -hmm. a recovery ministry called break every chain. He's an usher. Um, he's, you know, uh, just pursuing Jesus. You guys are doing pre-marriage counseling, pre-engagement counseling even. And then, and so just, you're part of a body, you're part of serving, and now you're going to find out that you've got a good shepherd that leads you out and brings you in and that you can trust and you can hear his voice and that he knows you by name. So just share about this season of just maybe even one of the first times for you being able to learn this shepherd and that, you know, kind of the Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that shepherd is with you. So you both can, you know, whoever kind of wants to begin to share that. Yeah. So, I mean, most of you guys prayed for us through the majority of this journey. So it's not like a surprise, but Joseph did end up having cancer. And so then we're kind of like, oh, great. You know, here we are. What is going on? And, and for me, um, he had the same kind of cancer that my dad had when I was younger. And so for me, it was such just a test of trusting the Lord's faithfulness and and just kind of going, okay, in the depths of my heart, like the Lord brought me through those hard times with my dad and losing my dad to cancer. And the Lord was faithful and I wouldn't even be the same person if I wouldn't have gone through those trials. And so I had like a little bit of a different experience entering into this trial where Joseph had, Joseph's like, wait, what? I thought things were going good, you know what? So I'll let him share about it. Yeah, I was, at that time, I was like just totally on fire for the Lord. Like me and Jesus, we're just rolling. We're just, all kinds of awesome things are happening, right? And um, then I found out I had cancer. And man, that just really like blew me back. I was like, it was a real struggle for me because I couldn't like, you know, understand it in a way, you know, it's like, you know, you hear all the things like, you know, he's a good, good father, you know, he protects us, like, he's supposed to take care of us, provide for us, you know, we're not, we're not supposed to get cancer, right? That's not supposed, not supposed to happen. supposed to do it on the week of your engagement. Not supposed you to do it on the week of my engagement, like, right? Like, this is not supposed to be happening. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a real battle and struggle for me because during the cancer, too, like, it was, uh, 
it was really hard for me like mentally and physically because like my mental health capacity my physical capacity was just like not there um but man the lord is like so faithful because just when you buy a 75 year old building <laughs> you get the ghosts that come with it <laughs> anyways um <laughs> They're used to that new building in Corvallis. That is oh, air conditioning oh, and yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so where was I? Okay. Yeah. So, and it's like the Lord is so good because he could use anything for his good. Um, and like we want to think and believe like, you know, like everybody's heal- praying for my healing. Like everybody wants to see me healed and you know, even I want to be healed, and, like, we're all praying for that. Like, we think and we want to, like, be healed from this. We don't want to go through this, but I look back on it, and I think the Lord allowed me to go through it for several different reasons. Um, One was, I believe it's a testing, it's a good way of, he allowed me to go through it of a testing of my faith to see where I'm really at for him. Like, are you you really all in for me? Like, do you really love me? Um, And for another, I think he allows us to go through hard times to prepare our hearts for things that come in the future that he can only see. Um, Yeah, and a big help, a big help for me through all that was um, obviously Heather and um, our body, Everybody just praying for us and just rallying for us, just lifting our arms up through the whole thing. And um, but God provided so many different ways. Um, when I first found out I had cancer, I didn't have health insurance at the time. Um, so we we're like, oh my gosh, like this is going to be crazy expensive. Like what you know, chemotherapy. You know, I had a stem cell transplant, like all kinds of stuff, medication, all that stuff is super expensive. And um, so we're at the hospital, we find out and everything, and this, um, one of the nurses there, I believe God used this nurse in our life, she took it upon herself to really, like, get the ball moving for us to get um, the Oregon Health Plan insurance, and, like, she, like, on her spare time, like, filled out all the paperwork for us, like, made all that happen, and, um, so we got that, and that paid for all of my treatment. Like, every single dime, everything was paid for. So the Lord provided in that way. Mm-hmm. So we were talking last night. You can talk to uh, We were just talking last night that, you know, it's not like you were freed from heroin. Just like one day it was like, bing, you know, or you were freed from addiction. It's not like you were um, even healed miraculously, like the Lord used these events and he used his his guiding and his leading to take you through the chemo the stem cell transplant which by the way was hell on earth um what you went through uh, uh with that and um heather what were you gonna say about oh well i was just gonna add uh when rory had mentioned like knowing the great shepherd you know like we just read in that passage for me even just knowing the word really is putting wells deep into your heart, you know, and, and even like, I know that there's a lot of you here who have walked through really, really horrific times. So we know that this, the, our story is not the only story like this, but, um, as whenever we're talking about our, our story, I'm just reminded of if you're in a good time with the Lord, just keep digging those wells deep and hiding his word in your heart because for me, um, you know, a lot of times when you're in the middle of a hard time, it's really hard to focus on the word. So you like know you should be reading it, but you're like, it's not going in there. And um, I was just reminded of the ver- the chapter that got me through it was Psalm 23. And every night I would envision myself like as that little sheep, you know, and just like I, it was almost a test of my will to just imagine myself like, He's with me by the stream, you know, when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, like, and how he was right there with me. And so it ties into this passage that we're talking about because I had hidden that scripture in my heart. So then 
when we're in the middle of this hard time and I'm, you know, you all know, like when you can't sleep at night because the weight of the world is just, you know, every bad scenario is running through your head and the what ifs and the tomorrow and the test results and all of that. But if you can just push pause on your brain and put yourself in that place of the little lamb, you know, listening to his voice when he's like, I'm preparing that table before, you know, in the presence of the enemy and like, I had, you know, walk with me. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to give you water. You know, when we're walking through that desert, I've got you. Don't be afraid. And even if the outcome on this earth isn't what we want it to be, like he knows and he's got us. And we have to train our hearts to do that because our mind runs away with us. So that's what I would Yeah. So you guys know that our dad had cancer and passed away from a different type of cancer. And so a lot of our childhood was cancer treatment with dad. And um, I always thought that, like, my mom and my older sister, Heather, almost had PTSD from that time of cancer and treatment. And we would watch, you know, a movie with a hospital in it or a, or a TV show with an ER or something, you know. And it was like, shut down, can't do it, brings up too much raw emotion and painful stuff. And then it was almost like the cruel, you know, it was like, this is cruel, Lord, that now we finally have this great man in our family. He's going to be my brother-in-law, and he's going to be a husband. And, and, and he has the same kind of cancer that my dad had. And what is going on, you know? And just the Lord's like, hey, I'm still working something in you that's going to develop deep trust in me, that even in the darkest valleys of the shadows of death, you're going to learn to trust me. And it's going to make it, you know, it all fits together under this, I am worth being trusted in life. And, and so, uh, you know, and like my dad, my dad had cancer and he'd have radi or he'd have chemotherapy and the cancer would go down and come back. Radiation, cancer would go down and come back. Ultimately bone marrow transplant, cancer go down, come back, uh, go home and get ready to die until the Lord miraculously healed my dad one day of cancer. Joseph's story is a little similar. Treatment, go down, come back. We'd have special celebrations at the beach that the cancer's gone. We don't, yes, you know, and, and then it's back in just the crushing blow of that. And, um, and then, you know, but through the Lord using medicine and the treatments, we were able to rejoice. Uh, what, when was the month and the year that like they were able to give you kind of just that good, uh, it's looking good. Do you remember? It was 2000. Yeah. Year and a half out from yeah. the transplant yeah. so far. So, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's like we we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, right? Like we have no idea mm-hmm. what we're going to, you know, one day I woke up and I had cancer. We don't know. Um, but, you know, I think it's like God like really used it in my in my life because when we go through like, we think like hard times, like nobody, like we don't want to go through hard stuff. Like we don't want to be tested. We don't, you know, this is hard. I don't want to do this. But when we go through hard times, I believe are actually really good for us because it helps us to really rely on the Lord every second, every minute. And that's what he wants. Like when we're going through these hard times, we are closer to God than we are, than when we're not in hard times. Right. So I think he like allows us to go through that stuff to really bring us in to that strong relationship and to build our faith up and uh, yeah, to see that he really is faithful no matter what. And yeah, for me, it's just really helped going through that whole thing of battling cancer for two years. Like I remember just holding on to just like some, like a couple of little scriptures and like that was like what I just held on to like so tightly and again, the Word of God, like, got me through it. Man, the Word of God is the most powerful, life-giving thing in the world. Like, I just encourage anybody here that's, like, kind of, like, lacking in that area of not being in the Word of God every day, like, get in it. Like, it's just so life-giving, and it's so powerful. Um, One final thing that I wanted to visit about in our Good Shepherd passage, verse 16 of John 10 Jesus talks about how, and I've got sheep that I'm going to bring into this fold that aren't from this fold. They're out there, and I want them to come in to know this life as well and to know my voice and know me by name. 
And something that I've always loved about Joseph is he has the heart of an evangelist, you know, he's been saved out of such darkness and wants to go tell people about the marvelous light of Jesus. And something that I just always admired was he just was like looking for whoever he could tell about Jesus. And I'd hear about them, um, you know, going to their, their, they were both busy working that their dates were going to pre-engagement counseling. But if they were able to break away for something else, they'd go out to downtown Corvallis and go street witnessing just to tell people about Jesus. And they went and visited Lakeview and went to the demolition derby down there. And I remember hearing that Joseph was like watching these cars crash into it. And he's like, there's people out there dying and going to hell and I'm sitting here watching this dumb stuff. And he's like, I got to get out of here. And he goes and Heather watches him go down and there's a state trooper down there, you know, kind of keeping everything in line. And he's like down there and starts telling the state trooper about Jesus, you know, and uh, tell just about signs of life and how the Lord has been using this testimony and that, you know, we, we began doing signs of life here. You started signs of hope in Corvallis and just, we'll wrap up with just talking about how the Lord's using this transformation of darkness to life and leading you as a good shepherd to bring other sheep into this fold. If I did have an opportunity to be in the demolition derby, though, yeah, that's that. people. I, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Jesus loved. <you. laughs> yeah, so I I had it on my heart, like the Lord put it on my heart, because um, I saw you guys doing it here, and I was inspired by you guys going out and doing the signs of life. And um, this was kind of like, yeah, it was like after a little bit after like the whole Black Lives Matter movement started and like that whole controversy in our world was like really moving in and I could really see like like the world was just looking for so many answers to fix our problems and I just felt like the Lord just spoke to me one day. He's like, I want you to make a sign that says Jesus is the answer and go stand out on the street corner. I was like, really? <laughs> like, you want me to do this? And he's like, Really? So <laughs> we I made the sign, and uh, I think you made one that said Jesus loves you or something. Yeah. And uh, hot, pink. hot pink, yeah. So it was me and her and um, her mom and one other person, I think, the first time. And we went out, and um, sure enough, it wasn't like five minutes later, this kid drives by, and he sees me out there. I got this big sign that says Jesus is the answer. And um, he turns around, and he, like, starts approaching me. And he was very kind of, like, confrontational at first. He's like, I want to know what you're doing out here. What are you doing? Like, what is your agenda out here? He's like, are you protesting the protest? Because at the time, I didn't know that there was, I didn't plan this, but there was actually a Black Lives Matter protest four blocks down the street from where I was. And I didn't know that was happening at the time. I didn't like, I wasn't trying to protest or protest or anything like that. But he thought we was. Um, See, so beeline towards me, we're talking. And like, I got to tell him what we were really doing out here, just proclaiming the kingdom of God and the love of Jesus and, you know, who Jesus is and what he's done for us and, you know, what he could do for you and what, you know, like Jesus is the answer to our problems in this world because, you know, our, our problem is sin. It's not this, that, and that. It's sin in us. That's our problem, and Jesus could fix that. Um, so we talked to him and everything, and, like, by the end of our conversation, like, he's like, wow. He's like, man, you're really cool, actually. Like, what church you go to? And, like, it was, like, really good at the end of that conversation. And then Corvallis took off with it, too. What's some of the numbers of folks that you'd come out getting signs and coming out to witness Jesus with you out there? Yeah, it was it, up to, it up to 35 to 40 people at once. Yeah, yeah. it was really cool. Yeah. Like, God just used it in so many ways. And um, so many, like, I saw God move there pretty much every single time we were out there. And just one quick, real cool story about that. We was out there one day, and um, this guy, Jerry, was riding his bike down Ninth Street, and he rolls up to me on his bike, and he's like, hey, he's like, I heard you guys are praying for people here. Will you pray for me? Because we had a bunch of signs that say, let us pray for you. And, like, he heard about it just through, like, word of mouth or whatever on Facebook or whatever it was. And he rides up to me. I was like, yeah, I'd love to pray for you. What's going on? And the guy just starts, like, breaking down and crying, and he's like, my wife told me she's divorcing me today. And I got to pray for 
Jerry that day, and like I could just see the hope of Christ just come back in his life, and like he's coming to our church every Sunday now, and like he was like coming to our Break Every Chain group, and like because he kind of he said he walked away from the Lord like 12 years ago, but we just happened to be out there that day that he rode by, and his wife told him that, and he got to come up and like rededicate his life back to the Lord and. It's been a really cool journey with that guy to see that happen. Amazing. Well, we're going to close just with a special song about uh, that he's a chain breaker and he's a healer that heals and it doesn't always look the way that we think and it's maybe not always instantaneously, but putting our trust in the Lord afresh. And thanks, Joseph and Heather, for sharing your testimony with us that just helps us to remember the faithfulness of God. You got a verse that you want. Do you want to share that verse um, as we get back to our instruments? Yeah. And yeah, Okay, sweet. Yeah, so this is one of the verses that really I held on to through um, my battle with cancer and just pretty much my whole life. It's Psalms 116. It says, I love the Lord because he has heard my appeal for mercy. Because he has turned his ear to me, I will call out to him as long as I live. The ropes of death were wrapped around me, and the torments of the shoal overcome me. I encountered trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is compassionate. The Lord guards the inexperienced. I was helpless, and he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, rescue me from death my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living.